Welcome to the third season of Learning Bible Truth Ministries. I am the founder, host, and teacher, Dr. Kamala D. This ministry is here to teach you Bible truth. Teaching truth allows you to grow in faith and learn how to walk in God's amazing grace. I sometimes read entire books in the Bible so you can know the story, not just the scripture. I also teach a series about a certain subject, so I want you to invite family and friends. Get your Bibles, grab a pen and paper so you can take notes. Now sit back, relax, and learn Bible truth. Day, saints. Today is Sunday, September the 25th of the year 2022. I am your host, I am your teacher, and I am the founder of Learning Bible Truth Ministries, Dr. Kamala D. Now today we will resume the uh, short series that I started entitled The Epistle to the Colossians. And I want to thank you before we move forward for listening to the Race, Religion, and Racism series uh, that was started by Dr. Price, Dr. Frederick Casey Price Sr. back in 1997. Over 6,500 of you were listening to that series, are still listening to that series, and you are very interested in me continuing to share excerpts from uh, this new topic that he started, uh, Was Jesus White? And you are going to be quite surprised at as he traces the genealogy of Jesus based on his mother Mary and his legal father Joseph all the way back to Ham. And we all know Ham is Noah's black son. So I know a lot of you can't wait for me to continue that series. I will share today, we are still in uh, chapter 1 of Colossians. I will be sharing verses 15 through 23 and then 24 to 29, and we will call it a day, okay? Um, next week, we will pick up and probably close out chapter one, and then the following week, I will share an excerpt from um, Dr. Price's uh, topic about was Jesus white, okay? So I hope you are in your Bibles. Hmm, I am using the NIV, okay? Now, I can promise you I won't stick with the NIV throughout this series, but I will be reading from the NIV from verses 15 through 23. And maybe the NASB or either the New King James from 24 to 29. Okay, so with that said, I hope you are in chapter 1 of Colossians. I am going to start reading. Okay, beginning at verse 15, the sun is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Verse 16, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Verse 17. He is before all things. And in him all things hold together. Verse 18. And he is the head of the body. 
the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the, the supremacy, or your version may say the preeminence. Verse 19, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. Now, your version may say, for in him the fullness of the Godhead is bodily. Verse 20, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Verse 21, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. Verse 22, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. And finally, saints, verse 23, if you continue in your faith established and firm and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel, this is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Now, let me rightly divide what I just read from verses 1 through 23. Now, from Paul's perspective, to add to the gospel is to fail to understand exactly who Christ is. Now, when a person rightly understands who Christ is, he will see that it's impossible to add to who he is and what he has done. Now, evidently, these false teachers, these Gnostics who were teaching Gnosticism to the Colossians, they valued knowledge and wisdom. We get that. They valued knowledge and wisdom. They were seeking to enlighten the believers in Colossae in order to enable them to grow in wisdom and knowledge. Now, Paul says, in effect, they are pointing in the wrong direction. And I say they are pointing in the wrong direction. Christ himself is the source of knowledge, wisdom, and life-transforming power. We need to get this, saints. Now, what the Colossians needed was an adequate understanding of Christ. What they needed was the scriptures to be rightly divided. Now, the first section presents Christ's relationship to, to, let's say, the created world. Paul answers basic questions about the origin and the purposes of creation. Now, the other section presents Christ's relationship to the redemption of what he created. Paul reminds all the, all the believers in Colossae, and he is reminding us, yes, this applies to us as well, of the redemptive purposes of God in and through Christ. Now, the word image is actually translated, um, um, in its translation, let me say that, does not mean just a replica or a likeness. Now, the reality itself is, is present in the image. 
Now God himself, the invisible one, had become visible and accessible to the human race through Jesus Christ and through him alone. He did not come in the form of, 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 of Wallace Farad Muhammad. He came in the form of Jesus the Christ. Now to see Jesus is to see God. And I want you to remember John 14, 9. Jesus himself says, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Now, Jesus, Lord of creation, which is uh, mentioned in verses 15 through 17, the Apostle Paul makes two assertions about this theme. First, he says, he is the image of the invisible God, talking about Christ. Christ is the image of the invisible God. And second, Jesus is the firstborn over all creation. Okay, now some have wrongly divided this, this scripture. It interpreted it to mean that Christ prior to his incarnation was a creature. And some of you may have heard it in your denominations or in your religion, because I have people from all facets of religion listening and they just seeking truth. That's all. You may have heard that. Um, but in the context of what follows, this can't be the meaning of that phrase. It can't be. See, the meaning and rightly dividing the scriptures are in the scriptures. If you are paying attention and if you are seeking truth, instead of trying to make the scriptures say what you want it to say, Christ is the agent of creation. Now, name anything in the visible world. Uh, uh, I say any physical thing in this world or in, in the unseen world. Okay, meaning anything of spirits, Christ created it. We need to get that. The Bible says Christ created it and it exists for Christ and for Christ alone. We need to understand who Christ is. Okay, knowledge and wisdom comes directly from Christ. Now, when the Apostle Paul says fullness, now this is a technical theological term meaning the totality of the divine powers and attributes. Now, the fact that all the fullness of the Godhead dwelled in Christ bodily, it was shocking to some people who are trying to understand this with their carnal minds, uh, leaning on their own understanding instead of allowing the, the Holy Spirit, which is the spirit of truth, to tell us who Christ is. Now, the false teachers, they were right in one sense. The distance between God and sinful humans or sinful human beings was great. Now, how could such a gap be bridged? This is what they were trying to figure out. And they came up with their own answers instead of sticking with the word of God. Their proposal was likely that a chain of spiritual beings bridged this gap. And so sinful human beings had to recognize these these intermediaries, including Christ. Because remember, at the beginning of this in episode one, I talked about the Gnostics said that Jesus was a God and he never really came in the flesh. He had a form of flesh, but it wasn't really flesh. So they believe Jesus never came, not in the flesh. So, and they believe that angels would come and share wisdom about God and, and how to be 
reconciled to God uh, to a select group of women, to a select group of people, preferably in Gnosticism, it was women. That is what they were teaching. Now, the truth of the gospel is far, far more simple, saints, that the fullness of God dwelled in Christ, period, period, okay? And in addition to that, Paul says that Christ is the one who holds all things together. Not only that, as the Redeemer, he is creating a new order in the midst of the old order. Now, this new order is the church also known as the body of Christ. Now, of which Christ is the head, not the pastor, not the bishop, not any priest. Christ is the head of the church. Now, just as in, in, in the human body, the head exercises control over the body. So Christ is head of the body of Christ, the church. Okay, saints? Now, Paul's first claim about Jesus is that God's fullness dwells in him. He mentions that in verse 19. In verse 20, Paul claim has to do with God's purpose in Christ. The universe was, was framed and, and fragmented and in disharmony. Now, Paul understood this in cosmic terms. Not only were there hostile people, there were also rebellious spiritual powers that were against God. And we also have that today. God's purpose in Christ is to bring the universe fragmented or separated by rebellion and sin back together to restore the harmony that existed at the creation when God looked at everything and declared it to be good. Y'all know when God uh, spoke worlds into existence and spoke things into existence at the end of that, statement he would say and God saw that it was good so when he declared that to be good man came along you know the history Adam and Eve sinned against God next thing you know sin running rampant so God came up with his redemption plan now peace is achieved through the blood of Christ one of the deepest human perceptions is that wrong must be punished that is one of the deepest human perceptions now, our sin against God was such that only God could pay the cost. Man can't pay the cost for his sins. It's just too great. And that he did pay our sins in his son, Jesus Christ. Yes, in his son, Jesus Christ. Now, in verse 21 through 23, having spoken of the universe and cosmic nature of the work of Christ, the Apostle Paul now applies it specifically to the church in Colossae. Now, Paul reminded the Colossians of the blessings of reconciliation. Now, when Paul uses the term alienation, it's it simply means separation. It obvi obviously meant that at one time the Colossians had been separated from God's blessings. As so we, we were as well until we were born again. Now, these Gentiles were, were far, far removed from the promises of God's blessings. And furthermore, their minds were opposed to God. Their actions were evil rather than good. Now, in this condition, the possibility of reconciliation, it seemed really far-fetched. Now, in verses 22 through 23, 
the present condition of the Colossians is one of reconciliation. Reconciliation that was achieved in the fleshly body of Christ. It was not just an apparent body. Christ was fully human. He was fully human and he was fully God. Now the Colossians owed their salvation to the initiative of God in their lives. Now they had voluntarily responded to God's offer of reconciliation. Being reconciled to God, they had new values, new motivations, and they had a new outlook on life. But the purpose of God in Christ had not been exhausted in the conversion of the Colossians Christians. It looked toward the future when the Colossian believers would be presented to God as the people God intended them to be, which was pure without blame or blemish. Since these believers had not seen Paul personally, remember Paul had never been to Colossae. Epaphras, the uh, pastor and evangelist of the church in Colossae is the one who traveled to Rome and, and, and visited Paul in prison and told him what was going on and brought a lot of questions that people had to Paul for Paul to answer. And remember, it's a reason why all these letters and scriptures are here. Paul was answering their questions. Now, Paul included an extended section on the nature of his ministry uh, from verses 24 to 29. And let me read that. Let me get my Bible and open that back up because I closed it once I finished reading. Uh, let's pick up at verse 24. I'm going to read verses 24 through 29. And the Apostle Paul says, and this is still the NIV. Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you. And I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church, the body of Christ. Verse 25, I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, rightly dividing it, okay, saints? Verse 26, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people, that's Christians, those born again, the mystery. Verse 27, to them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles, that's us saints, anyone who is not a Jew is a Gentile. Doesn't matter who you are. You white, you a Gentile. You black, you a Gentile. You Asian, you are a Gentile. And so on and so forth. Hispanic, you are a Gentile. Let me read that again. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's the mystery that has been hidden for ages and generations. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Verse 28, he is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. And finally, saints, verse 29, to this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. My Lord, my Lord. Now let's cover what Paul just said. Now I want you to remember 
that Paul added this. He extended this section on the nature of his ministry. That's what this was about. In this summary statement of Paul's ministry, two focal points emerge. Paul sees two dimensions to his mission, suffering and completion of the work God gave him. Now, the first aspect of Paul's ministry involves suffering. Paul knew from the time of his conversion that that unique suffering would be his lot. Paul addresses two areas of his suffering. And he, remember when he says that which is lacking, this is a start, it's a startling expression to me. Uh, in no sense does Paul mean that Christ's sufferings and death for redemption of mankind was not sufficient. What is meant is that in the service of Christ, his servants are called upon to suffer as he did. Suffering is an integral part of, of the ministry of Christ's servants as it, as it was for Christ himself. Now, suffering for the Colossians, Paul's mission to the Gentiles brought suffering at the hands of Jews and Gentiles alike. Now, suffering for Christ, Paul states that his call involved filling up that which is lacking in Christ's afflictions. That's verses 1 through 24. Now, the second aspect of Paul's ministry involved the word of God. Now, in verse 25, Paul saw his role as a servant of the church. His stewardship fulfilled a part, a part of the divine plan that God foresaw long ago, but which he clarified through the events in Paul's life. Now, in the revelation to Paul, it through verses 26 and 27, Paul's role in the administration of God's plan related to the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and, and, and generations, but is now disclosed in the saints. That's in verse 26. We are the saints, uh, uh, believers, listeners. We are the saints. Mystery. Let's talk a little bit about mystery. The word mystery is used in the New Testament in a, in a rather special sense of those secret things which man could have never discovered for himself, but have now become known because God has been pleased to reveal them to man. The New Testament secret is a secret proclaimed to all men. Now, all doesn't leave anybody out. That's if you seek in truth. It is proclaimed to all men and revealed to faith. The mystery of the pagan world was a secret, the knowledge of which is made available only to the initiated. Okay, remember the pagan world uh, in this sense was Gnosticism, that God's mystery and wisdom was only revealed to a select few. In this case, a select group of women, and it was revealed by angels. Uh-huh. And, and they received Pharaoh the rights of initiation. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Oh, my God. But saints, Paul may have used the concept of mystery because the false teachers were seeking to pull the Colossians away from the gospel by using the concept of mystery. Now, we humans are attracted to mysteries, aren't we? I love a good mystery movie. Oh, yeah. And even more so 
to the idea that we may be among the few who understand these mysteries. Yeah, yeah. Now, the content of the mystery is Christ in you, the hope of glory. See, you can't change that in scripture. Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's the content of the mystery. That's the mystery itself. Christ in you, in me, is the hope of glory. Now, believers could expect to share in the inheritance of the saints because Christ lives in us. He lived in the Colossians that accepted Christ as Lord and Savior. He lived in them also. Now constitutes the hope of glory in the future. When Paul says the hope of glory, that's our future. Okay, now Paul's message was Christ. The gospel is not a system. It is not a hierarchy or a set of regulations. It is the person and the work of Jesus Christ. He is the beginning, center, and end of it. It is only as life is lived in Christ. Now, subject to his will and, and, and direction, that Christians become mature in the things of Christ. Now, Paul states that his method with two verbs, admonishing and teaching, teaching completes admonishing. Okay, saints, uh, let me say that again. Teaching completes admonishing. Now, Paul's purpose is to present everyone perfect in Christ. This purpose has three emphases. Okay, number one, three times Paul referred to everyone. Clearly, he could not rest until all Christians lived up to what God expected. Number two, Paul had a perspective of the last days. When he stated to present every person, he thought in terms of the, of the return of Jesus and the desire to see each Christian mature in Christ. Number three, Paul willingly exerted himself toward the end. The term struggling was used of athletes who painfully pursued athletic glory. So how greatly I strive. Remember when Paul said that? How greatly I strive. Now, in this passage, Paul shows us how he viewed his ministry. Suffering had been an, an, an inescapable part of it. His attitude was, I rejoice in my sufferings. His task as, as an apostle was to make the gospel fully known. Paul took no credit for all he had accomplished. All the credit went straight to the Lord Jesus Christ. As it had, and remember Paul says, as it had been due to the energy and power of Christ at work in him. My Lord, my Lord. So saints, believe it or not, that was the end of chapter one. Now I'm going to cover verses one through seven in uh, chapter two, and then we'll call it a day. Okay. I'm still in the NIV. Uh, this is verse one of chapter two. I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. Verse two, my goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love 
so that they may have a have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ. Verse 3, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Verse 4, I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. People, you know, people argue their point, but they're arguing from a natural, carnal-minded perspective versus the Holy Spirit. You will never win. If you're not born again, you cannot and will not and will not ever understand the scriptures. Okay. Verse, um, what, where, where am I? Let me do verse three again. In whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Verse four, I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine sounding arguments. Verse five, for though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how dis, uh, disciplined you are and how fine your faith in Christ is. Verse 6, so then just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him. And verse 7, saints, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. My goodness, my goodness. So what is the apostle Paul talking about um, from verses one through seven? Now, let me say this. As Paul applied his ministry to the Colossians, he began the struggle. His struggle was emotional rather than physical. In verse one, we learn from the first time that Paul was not personally acquainted with the Christians in Colossians or Laodicea, a neighboring city to Colossae. You know, we talked about Laodicea. That letter is, or that epistle is missing. Paul wrote an epistle to the church at Laodicea and wanted that epistle read to the Colossians and vice versa. The epistle he wrote to the Colossians read to the church at Laodicea, but they, we, look, the, the letter couldn't be found. The epistle couldn't be found. That's why it's not in the Bible. So Paul desired to be faithful to his calling like we are supposed to be, like I am striving to be faithful to my calling, rightly dividing the scriptures. Now, this could best be accomplished by a face-to-face -face meeting with the Colossians and with their fellow Christians in Laodicea. Now, verses two and three, Paul's main purpose is what he talked about. Paul's main purpose was that the Colossians might be encouraged in heart. Their encouragement grew out. It, it, it kind of grew out of a genuine love that formed a tie stronger than a, 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 a mere physical tie. And from the riches of an understanding that con contains assurance and, and certainty. And moreover, this understanding yields a true knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ Jesus. And that will never change. People out here trying to figure out God through nature, you know, through through grass and 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 trees and water, because man can't make water and man can't make air, can't create air. So they're trying to find God through that. So through verses uh, four and five, Paul expresses his reasons for concern in a twofold way. He uses doctrinal and personal perspectives. Excuse me. Now, doctrinally, 
Paul is concerned that the Colossians not be deceived by fine-sounding arguments. It may be worded differently if you don't have the NIV. Now, their uh, heretical arguments came with the appearance of deeper theology. Now, in reality, they were subtle inroads of, of, of um, heresy. The church needed to see past these arguments the false teachers were presenting to them. The best antidote to the false teaching was the true knowledge which is in God's disclosure of himself in Christ. Now, personally, Paul also had a personal reason for his concern. He had not seen the Colossians in person, but he felt a strong tie to them. He was with them in spirit, he says. Paul was 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 delighted to hear of their steady faith in Christ. Now, in verses 6 and 7, in making specific application of these things to the Colossians, Paul's primary concern was that they continue to grow in Christ. He says, you know, use words like rooted and built up. The first metaphor pictures sinking the roots of faith into the soil of Christian truth. The other calls to mind building on the foundation of faith. These point to the continued growth of the church, but with a distinct emphasis. Now, the strength is related to its faith. And there's no getting around that. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The strength is, is um, related to faith in hearing God's word, not someone's theology about God. Now, the attack of the false teachers were against the faith, the system of Christian truth, and its ramifications in life. Now, number one, they had already received Christ, talking about the Colossians. Paul wanted them to reflect on how they had received Christ, and that was to be a model for their present lives. The word as in verse 6 draws attention to the relationship between receiving and continuing. Paul is calling the Colossians to a focused faith in all sufficiency of Jesus, not only for the first step of salvation, but as they live out the day-to-day -day reality of that salvation. We all struggle with that, the day-to-day -day reality of that salvation. And number two, they were rooted and built up in him. In him who? In the strength of Christ. And Paul calls for them to strengthen in their faith. Now, notice the two metaphors rooted from the agricultural world and built up from the construction world in the faith. And three, they were overflowing with thankfulness. Now, Paul frequently used thankfulness as one of the tests of Christian health. Now, thankfulness is an antidote to the poison of false teaching. Now, saints, I'm going to stop right here. I know it's getting interesting. It gets even better, saints, because if you know exactly who Jesus is and you are not confused about it, nobody can come to you with false doctrine and trick you or deceive you into believing something other than Christ. It is Christ who reconciles us to God. You cannot get to God outside of Christ. You can't. It doesn't matter how you try. You don't have to believe it and you don't have to receive it, but you have to remember there are ramifications. There are consequences for not accepting truth. And they have some that say, well, I'll just wait to the end and see. Well, 
that's fine too. But the consequences of that is you can't come back to get it right. It'll be too late. And let me tell you something. You have nothing to lose by believing and accepting Christ as Lord and Savior. Believing that Christ is the Son of God, the only true and living Son of God. He is not a God. He is the God. Now, Jehovah's Witnesses teach that Christ is a God. And they, uh, in their Bible, the uh, I think it's New World Translation. And let me tell you, stay away from that because it is not accurate to the original scriptures. The original scriptures of Hebrew Latin, Arabic, and Greek. They have changed a lot to fit their understanding. And that is dangerous, saints. It is absolutely dangerous. They believe that Christ was a God. He was a demigod. No, we just read in the Christ, God was in Christ. The fullness of the Godhead bodily was in Christ. And you can't get around that. Jehovah's Witnesses wasn't around before the Apostle Paul. And you have to remember how Paul was converted. Paul was converted by the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And this was after he, he ascended on high. So either you believe Paul or you believe some of these false teachers out here. Or you believe Christ. Or you believe some of these false teachers out here. Because it was Jesus that said, So God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, if you go all the way, that was John 3.16, but if you skip all the way to John 3.18, it tells you those who don't believe are condemned already. So either you believe Christ, you believe what's written, and stop listening to people trying to confuse you and stick with the scriptures, you will never be deceived. Mm-mm. You will never be deceived. So saints, with that said, I will see you next week where we will uh, pick up and, and cover verses 8 on through 19. And if I have enough time, we will complete chapter 2 of the epistle to the Colossians. Until then, I hope God keeps you. I hope God provides for you. And I hope if there are any among you sick that... You remember, it is the prayer of faith that heals the sick. So until next time, saints, peace out. I hope you were enlightened by this message. If you have any questions or comments about this message, you can contact us by emailing talkingbibletruth.cd at gmail.com. If you would like to sow a seed in this growing ministry, you may access the front page on the podcast you are listening to and click on the support button. Or you can cash out the ministry at dollar sign Dr. Kamala D. That is at dollar sign capital D lowercase r capital C lowercase a-m-a-l-e capital D and donate any amount. And remember... God loves a cheerful giver, and so do we. So until next time, believers, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, not the word of man. We walk by faith and not by what we see. I am your host and teacher, Dr. Kamala D., serving you with Christ Jesus, our Lord, in peace and love. I thank each of you for tuning in, and I hope to hear from you soon. Peace out. Help along the way, yeah, yeah.
Just 